Welcome to the Startup Microdose podcast with me, Oliver Jones, and usually Ed Stevens. At the end of 2020, I was interviewed by Kevin Tyler on the Next 12 podcast, and we've decided to share that interview here. I get the opportunity to discuss Elmo, a company I co-founded with Luke Gavin in 2019. We're a net zero and all-inclusive subscription platform for electric cars, with a mission to reimagine car leasing to suit the needs of the modern consumer, while accelerating mass adoption of electric cars and helping to reduce transport carbon emissions. I discussed the challenges we faced and the exciting growth we've enjoyed launching a car subscription service in the year of COVID. Ed and I really hope you enjoy it. So without further ado, we bring you Kevin Tyler and me on the Next 12 podcast. Hello and welcome to the Next 12 podcast from Consult Energy. Uh, in this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Ollie Jones, who's the co-founder of Elmo. Hi, Ollie. Hey, Kevin. Thanks for having me. No worries at all. It's great, great to have you as a guest. Um, let's just get things kicked off. Tell us a bit about Elmo. So Elmo is an electric car subscription platform. What that means is that customers can subscribe to an electric car uh, on, a, on, a monthly, on a monthly basis, and that includes everything they need for managing that car. So you get the car get the insurance, maintenance, servicing, breakdown. We even include a carbon offset donation to account for manufacturing emissions. And what we're really trying to do with that is to make it as easy as possible for every for everyone to, to start driving an electric car. Wow, fantastic. I mean, it sounds like a really, really interesting model. So we can talk obviously more about that during the podcast. Um, how did you get to this point there? Tell us a bit about how you uh, how you got to this this position where you're co-running a business and looking at electric car subscriptions. What's the background? Yeah, so so my background is in marketing and finance, fundraising for startups. Uh, and I was doing that for, for a number of years. Um, and, and part of that was actually a, a podcast, The Startup Microdose. There's normally me sat uh, sat on your side of the mic rather than this side. Right, okay. And, and, and then... Uh, my co-founder Luke, uh, we've known each other since we were we were thirteen, but sort of took different different routes through uh, university and sort of the career ladder. And he ended up he was he's ex Octopus Energy, uh, and then went to a, a management consultancy focused on clean deck and renewables called Element Energy. And it was through those those experiences that he came up with the the kernel of the idea, if you like, for for Elmo. He then pitched it to me over a new year's drink in january 2019 right and by that point because i'd been around the startup space for so long i'd seen all these these entrepreneurs tackling really like inspiring challenges and i've been starting to get an itch uh to do something myself and then luke just presented it to me uh on a on a, on a silver platter and, and really like it was interesting for me because when he was pitching it to me i was you know, I didn't know very much about EVs, energy, the, the entire space. And so I could really look at it from a, the problem perspective of a, of a customer. Yeah. And I think that's really helped as we've sort of refined what our proposition is to customers to help them take that first step into an electric car. Wow. Okay. So how long have you known him for? I think we were, we were 13 or, or 14. Uh, he, he came, we're both originally from the Southwest, born in Devon. And then he he turned up at school one day, tall, tall and lanky, and uh, and we I'm not even sure if we became friends straight away, but but over time we became we became very very strong friends, and I think that's 
now that I've you know spent nearly two years as as a as a founder with him, um, it's 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 really interesting to hear that with these these other other companies where they've had you know friction between founders and how how they negotiate that. With me and Luke, because we've known each other for so long and we've, we're friends, I think those moments of, of friction and, and, and of tension, well, they, they happen and they happen every day because in the creative process and, it, and, it's, and it's difficult and challenging. Yeah. Half-life of, those, of that, that tension is, is, so, is so short because of that friendship, which, makes, which just makes the whole thing much easier. It, it's such a rare situation, actually. You don't find... Well, maybe someone could correct me on this, but I don't think you find too many people that run businesses together that have known each other since they've been at school. Weirdly, uh, you know, from, the, 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 this is a real weird synergy. Uh, we're exactly the same, actually, consult, consult energy. Richard and I, who are in the business, we are, we've known each other probably since we've been about seven. We went to uh, Cubs together, same senior school, uh, travelled the world together, lived together for a bit, and have been, you know, probably known each other for... And I don't look it, but probably about 32 years. So, um, but the point you make is absolutely, absolutely valid for me is that whenever we you know, like everyone has disagreements, the half-life of that is, is, is minimal. Be purely because we've been through so many different experiences and situations together that it's not a fundamental thing that, you know, is going to tear the business apart so we can get over it very easily. And I think that a lot of people that go into business situations, sometimes they've worked with each other for three, four, five years. They don't maybe truly know each other that well and, you know, it's a different situation, particularly with the start of business. You go through a lot of challenges, you know, whether that's financial, whether that's, you know, just family pressure and trying to run a few things at the same time. So I think that gives you a really good platform. We've certainly found it's really helped us out in terms of what we've done. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's nice to hear there's someone else in a, in a similar boat, basically. Yeah, I think knowing someone professionally for, for five years is a long time to know anyone. But if it's purely a professional context. There are there are sort of layers of of knowing that you haven't uncovered because you you haven't spent time in a in, in a social or private context. Yeah. Interestingly, uh, we're we're partnered with So Energy, who are a, a renewable uh, challenger energy supplier, and yeah. their their founders, uh, Simon and Charlie, have a, have a similar story as well. Wow. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah. So there's a few of us. That's, that's brilliant. Brilliant to hear. You know, obviously, when you were approached uh, at this this New Year's drink and the idea, the kernel of the idea was was mooted. Did you have any any reticence about it? Were you were you all in straight away? No, I, I'm always reticent. I'm 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 a commitment phobe, and while I could very very quickly see uh, the problem that we were solving and how that was that was a very real problem, it wasn't something that we were making up. And I could see the development in the market and the potential for what the opportunity could be. Um, I was also like, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm being reasonably well paid in my in my current role. I know this is going to involve a pay cut. There's a lot of risk involved. You know, even with the the right product, the right market timing, there are so many executional problems that can go wrong. That means that we won't make the, the success of it that we want to make. Uh, and I found that to overcome that was difficult because. From that meeting, we you know we set out some sort of smallest first step actions that we we wouldn't just throw ourselves into it. It was it was about taking actions, and and each one was was a proof of concept in a, in a very very small granular way. And every time we got past that that little proof concept, from like you know a, a conversation with a a potential investor to getting the first few slides together on a, on a pitch deck to speaking to potential partners and seeing if there's, there was interest there. Every time we did that and we ticked it off, then it just starts to gather its own momentum until you're 
we were kind of swept along by it. And I guess the culmination of that was when we, we closed. Uh, so we'd been working evenings and weekends on it. And we closed uh, a pre-seed round before we left our previous employments. Wow. Wow. I mean, I have heard various stats. I mean, I think the stat I was used to hear was, was 90% of startups fail in the first few years. I think I've heard of more of a, a kind of a reason why we've even been 60%, but it's still, you know, well over half of startups don't succeed. So I think you need to have a certain amount of, of, of courage and, and gusto to, to go about doing it. So yeah, yeah, credit to you basically. With, uh, with, with obviously the whole topic of EV and subscriptions, we'll, we'll dive, we'll dive into that shortly with the, the next our podcast. We talk about next 12 hours, weeks and months and obviously everything in, in between that personally, professionally. So let's let's look at that for a second with the next 12 hours. No, let's let's be clear. We're still <laughs> since we've been recording these podcasts for almost a year now, you know, 12 months ago, we were saying this, this is virus going around and, um, you know, probably hamper us for a bit. And here we are in December 2020. Still talking about, um, I think you're, you're tier two in, in London. I'm in Worcestershire, tier two. I mean, I can, I can see tier three down there, so I keep away from that down the hill. <laughs> yeah. um, but um, yeah, we've got these restrictions. Life isn't still you know, what it used to be. How are you, how are you coping with things personally? You know, what, what kind of things would we be doing over the next 12 hours? So, I mean, for me, the, the whole working from home thing has been great. So, I, I, you know, I always, I, I don't naturally look at, look at things in a positive light. I, I think I tend to lean slightly to the negative, but I'm trying to coach myself out of that because, you know, there are a lot of negative things that you can get sucked into. And so for me, when I, when I think about working from home and, and, and COVID on, a, on a, just on a personal level, I've really enjoyed not having to cycle 45 minutes there and 45 minutes back. Uh, in in the evening that's an hour and a half of time every day that I don't have and actually ends up being more time because you and you need you turn up you know, sweaty and exhausted and it takes you a few a few few more minutes to, to recover yeah. so on, on that side of things I've been way more productive and obviously there are there are maybe aspects of that that have maybe less productive i.e the way that we can communicate with with our team um, we've been pretty good at setting up pretty robust systems to 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 work um, completely remotely but you know there is that human element of uh, building rapport with your team with your team within a work environment that that is being missed and I think as we look forward in, in, into so next year and when you know hopefully the situation begins to ease a bit you know I think we'll look to implement a policy which is partly flexible remote working but you know a few days where you know core members or core teams within the company can get together uh, to spend that that time together because I think that's where where creation happens just if you've got work to do it it's fine working from home because you can you can start with your breakfast um yeah and you know you can get loads of work done so that you can take some exercise in the middle of the day um which I think is is great and having that flexibility within a day for people is 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 really really good um but if they've got you know meetings and and, and stuff to like strategize and think about I think that doing it in person is key as well it's a real challenge, isn't it? Um, I don't think enough's probably made actually of how well both uh, em employees and employers and everything, you know, w whatever level of, of stake, you know, stakeholder you are, how people have dealt with this. I mean, I, I hate that term new normal. So I'm just, you know, I'm not going to use it, even though I've just inadvertently have. But anyway, um, how we've how we've all dealt with this situation, because one of the things I really hate about the whole COVID situation is how impersonal things are with wear masks. And actually, when you're trying to, I mean, even being in the supermarket and seeing, I don't know, an old lady reaching for an item and I'm giving her a smile to kind of reassure her and she can't see my smile. She just probably just sees my I don't know, shifty looking eyes or whatever, whatever she's, she's perceiving. 
And I just think it's the same actually when you're doing a lot of things over. I mean, look, we're, we're hopefully going to going to book the book the trend with doing this over obviously video. But you, you get my point. When you're doing things and you're not in person with someone, I find whether I'm doing training sessions or I'm doing interviews, it's just not the same as being face to face. And when you think about being able to spot maybe issues people are, people are dealing with, be that you know mental health or uh, they're struggling with work. It's a real challenge. So to actually still be in a situation where businesses have been fairly, fairly fruitful for a lot of people I know, when it is in this kind of scenario, I think there's a lot of credit that needs to be given to people. Uh, yeah. We're we're absolutely the same. We we'd already looked at some flexible working, but we'll definitely take this model moving forward. And actually, we we had we had one of our best, best months, well, our best month ever in history in terms of setting up interviews for clients in November. You know, in a lockdown in a pandemic, we were really proud of that. But I just think to myself, you know, sometimes. That's brilliant, but how great would it have been if we'd all been in the office to celebrate that and, and go out and experience it and and you know have a have drinks on a night out and whereas it's 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 still a bit hit and miss. So yeah, I just think right now that I, I look, I, I'm I'm certainly the kind of person who would try and look at everything in a, in a positive manner. I know you mentioned you sometimes don't always uh, default to that. It's actually an interesting thing I saw with uh, with Simon Sinek who says. He doesn't believe in positivity, he believes in optimism. Positivity sometimes is saying everything's okay, everything's okay, when sometimes clearly things aren't okay. But, you know, it's, it's almost denial of reality, whereas optimism is, is just the belief that things things can and will be okay. And I like the fact that you, you think about the future as opposed to maybe trying to lie right now about how things are. So I think it's important to do that. But what we've, what we've dealt with, and God knows how long it's going to go on for, has been a huge, huge change in terms of way of working. And then I think about other companies, companies that have got large customer service centers, you know, contact centers and how difficult it must be. If you're a relatively small business. Um, there's probably ways and means you can get around it. If you're a huge organization to still offer that same level of service remotely. Um, I think is, is, yeah, is brilliant. You're, you're dead right. So we're, we're very close with with our partner, So Energy, and they had they had that challenge in the first lockdown. They have uh, I'm not sure how many, but hundreds of of customer service staff all in all in their main HQ and they had to somehow migrate that with you know the software and the hardware to remote working making sure that everyone had the right equipment at home the right internet connection in order to be able to do it to the same level and they took the decision to do that to buy everyone the equipment very very early on sort of even before the the lockdown was announced uh, and obviously that was a risk on their part but it it paid off because um, they're, they're very, very highly rated customer service, and it paid off because they were basically able to continue sort of seamlessly, which is it, it, really impressive. It makes a huge difference, doesn't it? And I think that you know, look, I'm I'm hugely proud of of my team and and how they've coped, and and more importantly, how they we've we've been almost galvanised by it, and actually when back to against the wall a little bit in terms of what's going on in the world everyone's come together we've got you know one of our core values is we've got each other's back and we say you know without our clients candidates or each other um and i really do think situations like this do do show what people's people's metal is you know you can you can see you actually look people are struggling and there's a lot of things going on where people are you know finding the restrictions and and all the covid stuff difficult but I think actually now it's it's all well and good in a, in a regular normal world scenario, but actually when things are a little bit out of the ordinary, I think that's when you really see what people are all about. And I think there's so many great examples. You know, of course, a clear one was the NHS and how we were all like, you know, absolutely rightfully on our doorsteps, you know, clapping. But I think we probably should have been doing that for the contact centre workers and the de the delivery drivers and you know, you know, the Deliveroo guys and everyone else, you know, who was keeping keeping things going because you know people are, people are doing things out of the ordinary, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, even the the parents who are who are locked at home in in their flats with young children and not going to school. Yeah, and there's a lot of people who who deserve a lot of credit for yeah. for weathering this um 
the situation. Yeah, it's a very different situation if you've got a massive house and and no kids as if you're in a council flat with three kids and people are telling you, you know, things up. It's not too bad. Go in the garden. Like, I ain't got a garden. So, yeah. yeah exactly. Uh, yeah. Um, well, without getting too, too deep into COVID and all the ins and outs of that, um, you mentioned, obviously, about the flexibility of the workday. Um, do, you, do you do much about yourself to keep yourself busy? Do you do any mid- midday exercise? If so, what, what do you like to do? I don't have to keep myself busy because right now we're, we're just com- completely uh, slammed with work. Um, we've just doubled the team, which which it was a necessary thing and we're, we're really happy to be employing people at, at this time but obviously uh onboarding people is its is its own work as well to get them up to to speed fast enough but in, in terms of in terms of my day because i know i'm going to be so busy from you know probably before before nine till um eight o'clock in the evening i try and get up before that and, and do some exercise and i used to i used to when when gyms were open to do to do crossfit or I, well I'd, I'd been doing it for a, for a few months and so I try and do some quite harsh workouts in the morning to to get to get the endorphins flowing to to, to speed me through the day. Brilliant. And you, you find that do you find that it really helps you out then to get you set up? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's um yeah, you just you feel it's it's also something because I like to exercise it. It feels like when you have got a busy day to get it out the way prior to doing any work, it then doesn't sort of loom over you for the for the entire day. I, I'm I'm the other way actually. I, I I struggle a bit in the mornings to do anything, but I I, I think one thing I've, I found with co- the COVID lockdowns is a lot of people actually. I've certainly been in this situation. I've been doing things still a bit to excess. I mean, early on, I was actually probably drinking too much, like finding myself having a glass of wine every night. I was, I was, for about a month, I was like, I don't need to be doing that actually, you know. Um, and you Delicious. know, yeah, oh, wine's wonderful, isn't it? Um. <laughs> And home cooked food, so obviously you know probably being a bit more, bit, bit more over the top with that. But I also I got into running a bit, and I found myself thinking, oh my god, I'm like drinking too much, I'm eating too much, but I'm running too much. I mean, I, I increased my distances massively. But what I found was that clear. Look, I know a lot of people know this, but that clear release I got when I exercised, and I, and I'm all over LinkedIn. Probably if I get bored of it, you know. Oh god, I didn't want to do a run, but I did it. Feel great now, kind of post. But I know the difference it makes. And even though I don't do that in the morning, which would be great for setting up the day and people that work work with me, you know, big advocates of morning running. I know when I do it, I feel brilliant about myself just because the fact that I've thought to myself many times, I don't think I want to do this. Case in point being, you know, while I, I did a LinkedIn post on this the other day, but like running in lockdown one, that was wonderful. I live, you know, not too far from the Licky Hills in Worcestershire. I've seen deer, rabbits, you know, like, oh, that's a lovely little stream there. Look at that hill over there. It's beautiful. Running in December the other night where I live, I mean, it was, I couldn't see where I was going. It was thick fog. It was fr- freezing. <laughs> that I'm, I'm on hills. And I thought to myself, you know what? Like, I could easily not do this. But because I did it, even though I'm not the fastest and you didn't run, like, you know, millions of miles, you just feel great. So I'm a massive advocate for, I don't care what level of, of health and exercise you are, even if you just go for a walk yeah. or if you just do some press-ups or whatever, like anything which just might get you to be, you know, go out with the kids to the park and, you know, walk rather than, you know, take the car if it's possible. You know, I know it's different situations for people, but I just find it makes me so much better in terms of my day job. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I agree. It was one of the first conversations in these onboarding sessions with our, with our new hires was, was my saying to them that, you know, look, you have this, there's no commuting to be done. You have a lot of flexibility within your day. There's going to be work for you to do, but then really you, you do that to your own schedule and, and we're really happy to allow you to do that. And so can I suggest that in in that time that's been freed up by not commuting, that you consider taking exercise because it will, not only is it beneficial for your health, but you will work better, you'll focus better and you will get, you'll derive more enjoyment from from your day. 
Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. Uh, well, look, let's dive into um, a bit more about the core topic of the, of the podcast. So EVs and and Alma and all that. Um, I think there's clearly a, a challenge, isn't there, with with the transition to EVs for consumers? Obviously, the cost, the complexity, different evolving technology. We're obviously looking at how we can overcome these so we can reduce emissions as, as soon as possible. What's your what's your thoughts on that? And obviously, how Elmo fits into that? Yeah, I mean, the the issues that you mentioned there were exactly what we identified. What well, even from I was able to identify when Luke first pitched it to me um, from a com- consumer's perspective. It's that you know with these cars that you know. They're five to ten thousand pounds more expensive than equivalent ice models, combustion engine module models. There is this these layers of uh, we call it perceived complexity. It's it's the fact that you know we know how to drive to the petrol station and, and you know pump up with fuel and breathe noxious fumes, etc. But kilowatt hours, chadamo, charging cables that just baffles us. And understandably, we like we haven't formed habits around around it. Whereas with petrol, we've we've seen our parents. Um, yeah, and, and we've lived it. Whereas uh, charging is, is is something new. So there's this this unfamiliarity plus the upfront expense, and that is that is enough to make it. You know, a car is the, the second biggest purchase decision we make after a after a house. And when you have those barriers hanging over it, it's obviously going to put a lot of people off. And you see the early adopters there; they're happy to to overcome. That's usually because they've you know they've they've got a bit more money to spend. Um, or they're really interested in in the latest technology, or in this case, they can be you know real uh, green evangelists. Um, but for you know, for the everyday person who just wants a car and kind of you know is hearing about the growth in electric cars, uh, there's still these these issues that are putting people off. And so with the I guess the proposition with Elmo is that you get around the upfront cost because there's no deposit to pay and it's just a, a monthly a monthly fee. Um, so you're not buying a car or you're not putting down a big deposit on a lease. Yeah. And then you're also not locking into any length, lengthy contracts. At the moment, our, our Christmas uh, promo offers are, is a, it's a one month contract. And that just that just rolls over until you give us 30 days notice to hand it back. And, and so what it is, is like the easiest way in to trying out an electric car. Now, our bet is that when we and this has been borne out with the, the data from our from our existing customers is that you get them into that car by saying that there's no deposit to pay first month, everything's included, the breakdown servicing insurance, you don't have to do anything, you just have to book it on our on our platform. Um, you get them into that car and they, they love it so much that they continue. Um, and that's both because they like the electric car experience, but they also like the subscription experience. Because what we're really doing longer term is is we believe that subscription as a model of quote unquote ownership is a smarter way to quote unquote own um, a car rather than than leasing. Especially, and this is your your final problem that you that you mentioned the with the advancement in the technology of of the electric car. So I always liken it to the the iPhone one and iPhone two. The development in the technology from one to the other was was so big that if you bought the iPhone one the year before, you'd be you'd be pretty pissed off. That the the iPhone two was so much better. Now yeah. we're plattering out, but at that time the the developments were so rapid that you really wanted to be on an ownership model that allowed you to upgrade with the technology. And yeah, so subscription. Like we find that our customers subscribe with us for for between uh, nine and twelve months, um, and then they're looking at you know switching to a to another car. I think it's a really really, and I'm not just saying it's because you're on the podcast. I think it's a really really great idea and a really interesting idea. Let's be clear, you know, go back 20 years, no one was subscribing to, to TV services. You know, we were all um, 
I, I, I don't know if you if you remember this, but I remember. And I'm sure a lot of the listeners will remember being in Blockbuster Video on a Friday night. Yeah, and I'd I pick a mo- movie. You remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and obviously now we we were almost so spoilt for choice. And amount of times you see posts on social media saying. Any good Netflix recommendations? Well, you know, why don't you try the people that top top rated ones at the moment on Netflix? You know, and actually, every time I try something, I generally like it. So, subscriptions clearly is something we do. You know, we've we've got the likes of you know retail subscriptions. There's obviously some 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 major ones with that. So, it's I guess it's thinking about well, how would you do it with with vehicles? And because the model has never been that really, then it's it's changes in it, and people don't like change. Uh, but I know from my own personal experience, I this is what you're what you're what you're proposing is well, what you're not proposing what you're doing actually doing right now is, is a great solution because one of the biggest barriers i had to going to evs like a lot of people was it was the unknown well how am i going to charge it and i look i look at my situation as being we i, I see myself as being fortunate to be able to try a, a, a second car you know as a, not the main family car as be the car that i probably mostly use as an ev some people aren't don't have a second car or they don't they they, they can't afford to i guess to, to try it like 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 i did so I'm very mindful of that situation. And also I've got a driveway, so I could I could have a charge point. But I'm still thinking, well, I know how to charge at petrol stations. You know, how's it going to work? And all, all the ins and outs of, you know, charging and connections and electricity. And what if it rains badly so much that there's a, a thunderstorm and there's lightning? Oh, my God, am I going to be, you know, all the different things, which, you know, I've busted these myths on previous podcasts if anyone wants to, to dive into those. But it, it, anything which, you, which is kind of going to put you off doing something, I always liken it to when you're doing online shopping and you're going, I don't know, looking at jeans and you're on page 66 of 475 and you look at a pair of jeans and then you click back and it goes back to page one and you go, oh, God. And you, you, you've so, you're so fatigued about the whole experience. You just think, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what I usually do. Yeah. So, so I just think that the whole whole situation about what the barriers people have got to EVs, there's so many factors anyway. When you include on top of that, the fact that people want you to commit for generally four years, maybe three. Yeah. If it's two years, it's going to cost you an arm and a leg. You know, the difference is huge if to do two years. And another thing I'm experiencing right now is I'll think, well, if I get an, this kind of car, if I commit to a hybrid or, a, you know, a regular ice vehicle, because it's not the range of EVs I want right now. What if in June... Three three EVs come out, which are brilliant. I want to get into, and I've got three and a half years left on my lease. So this is almost like the perfect solution, isn't it, for people? Because if you can basically just say, actually, I want to get that car. I'll give Elmo thirty days notice. Then problem solved. Yeah, exactly. And and that is the feedback that we've had from our customers, which you know it's it's heartening. It makes us feel like we're doing the right thing, and and all the 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 assumptions that we made as we you know when I mentioned before about every little thing being a proof of concept when we started developing the technology and and the features, like we were pulling data to make those, those assumptions, but they were still assumptions. And so it is uh, really heartening that the customers have, have sort of, you know, validated those assumptions. Yeah. I mean, uh, look, there's other things you mentioned as well, which I think make it this kind of thing be to to be a really good solution. And um, the key thing I think came to me when we first spoke was the fact that, that you've, you've got all the other, all the other annoyance, haven't you, of, of insurance and maintenance and how that works, and you're you're tying all that in, aren't you? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, the st- the standard package is is the the car, obviously, the electric car, uh, comprehensive insurance cover, servicing and maintenance breakdown cover, and a carbon offset donation. Um, so we're planting trees with 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 climate care, and that's to offset uh, manufacturing emissions. Kind of nothing to do with us, but we're you know we're really focused on offering people. A, a net zero 
mobility solution and it's one of the reasons why we were we, we were accepted onto this onto tech nation which is a government-backed accelerator program we were accepted um as part of their their, their inaugural net zero cohort for for, for scale-ups tackling climate change in the uk Brilliant. so that was that was great because it was like like when you think about business decisions that carbon offset so we we don't charge the customer that that comes out of our margin from the from the car rental and so you know a lot of the finance people when we're talking to them say well that amount is just is you know is it affecting your bottom line of every month every car why do it is it really worth the communication value that you get in your marketing um, and we and we've stuck our flag in the ground because it is important to us and empowering people to you know to be carbon neutral to reduce their emissions it, it is really important that's and that's part of why we should switch to electric car i mean there are loads of other reasons why you should switch to electric car if you can but the the, the green aspect isn't is an important part of it because that's going to affect you and it's going to affect everyone else and it's going to affect the generations that that come after um and and your transport decisions are, are one of the biggest ways that you can affect it yeah it, it really is doing things which are actions and not words and look we know there's a, a lot of questions globally around you know certain countries emissions making some of the ones that are you know some of the some of the other nations who are doing loads on it make some pale into insignificance but at the end of the day that we've all got to try and do what we we all can to, to to help and we know moving away from diesel and petrol cars is going to be a big part of that and it, a big thing i think is the education you know it, yeah. it, it, it's huge I, I always make this point that i work you know like a co-run an energy and utilities recruitment agency We're, a big part of what we do is uh, a lot of green energy stuff you know i i'm i'm someone who should know loads about it and i do i think know a fair bit about it and yet i still had so many questions about the, exactly. the process of being an ev driver um so i think if if it's someone who who you know whatever is a teacher uh, works at a bank, whatever, you know, it, you know, is a van driver. How are they going to know the internet to the benefits of it? So yeah, I, yeah. I totally agree. And ultimately we can do our best to everyone in the industry can do their best to answer those questions and to, to, you know, to make there be more uh, articles and, and features and, and videos e explaining it and explaining it well, but ultimately people will only feel comfortable when they start, they start driving. Right? Yeah. And, and that's where a, a solution like, like ours, is a sort of an easiest first step for them to drive an electric car. Yes, you can do a test drive for a day with your, with your dealer, but really to find out if one actually works for your lifestyle, you know, you want to be trying it for a month, two months, three months. Yeah. And and so just to, just to go back to your last question, because um, I was talking about the standard package, um, but it also fits in um, with with what you were what you were saying about your situation about having off street parking. So we also have a sort of a customizable aspect um, to the subscription. So we can include a home charge point installation as an option. We also have an energy package with So Energy, where they get um, discounted energy for their mileage allowance of charging on their subscription, uh, and finally a public charging membership, which is with uh, the Polar Network, um, now rebranded to, to BP Pulse, and that's our way of getting towards this idea of, of total cost of ownership, where the the one the monthly payment the customer makes to to Elmo each month covers every cost for running that car so in terms of budgeting it's like it's just all done it's all in one place um, yeah and we have and we have a dashboard that that shows them that okay i mean i, th I think there's th there's so many so many benefits to it the one question i wanted to ask was obviously i think you you we've seen huge increases in, in ev interest and 
you know, obviously uh, take up on EVs and is, is massive and the marketing is brilliant around. It's brilliant. You know, I think we, we, all, we can all agree that the numbers have gone up. I think I saw something like there was as many new EVs registered between April and October than there was probably in the previous two years before that. So that is just a fantastic sign. Here's a question for you. So the people that probably can afford what is seen as being slightly more expensive EVs or, you know, even at the total cost of ownership, you, you can argue the point. What would your suggestion or solution be for people that possibly see themselves being never been able to afford it? I don't know. They've got a, a 10 year old diesel car and they don't earn a great salary. What, what would your, what would your views be on how this might change in the future for people, you know, to try and get those kind of people to, 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 to switch? Yeah. So, so one of the things we actually, cause we were, we've really wanted to target those people from, from the start. Yeah. And so we, uh, in our original business plan, we were using used EVs, but we quickly realized that, you know, the ba there basically wasn't a secondhand market for, for those cars yet. And so it became very difficult to access them at a price point that we could then pass on to, to the user to make it affordable. Um, but that's something that we're, we're still very much looking into. And, and, and we do have a, a number of, of secondhand cars. We've got the sorry, used cars, I should say. Um, we've got two, some 2014 Reg Renault Zoe's uh, and some 2017 Reg Nissan Leafs, which are obviously um, because it's just simply because of their age, though they're in, in good condition, because of their age, we can we can have them at a lower price point. And so that as the secondhand market uh, starts to you know, exist more and more, and especially when we look at 2021 and the, the number of new EVs coming onto the market, like that is because of that flood, the secondhand market is going to grow. Obviously, the, the the number of cars that came on this year then become secondhand cars, and it, and it grows. But it, it will take time. It's like it's a few years behind the new the, the the new the new EV market, and so there is just a case of 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 waiting. Companies like us will will do their best to to make it affordable. I think there are options that people can look at, like trying to persuade their employer. Uh, to offer electric cars as a, as a company car. There are a lot of benefits to to the, em the employer for, for doing that, Ta tax benefits, green credentials. Um, the employee as well can, because there's 0% uh, benefit in kind tax at the moment on, on electric cars. So there's there's a lot of benefits in there, but it, and it just requires pitching into to your employer for that. Um, so that, that's potentially a way. But yeah, it's it's, it's a problem and it's, a, it's, it's really a supply problem. Yeah. As, like even though you you alluded to the the, the increase in in new EV sales uh, and compared to I sales, but still, if you actually compare the 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 core numbers, EV new registrations are much much smaller than yeah. than ICE at the at the moment, and the market's smaller, the demand is high, that the prices are going to remain high in, until those supply dynamics change a bit. Yeah, I I, I find from experience people I've spoken to that those people that have got already. A certain type of car and maybe a certain salary uh household salary they are i think i can be fairly convincing about why they should try an ev you know i just you know you know within covid covid allowances you know but you know, either you know talking through what i've got or show them what i've got in terms of my my setup and how it works with my app and i think it's quite a powerful powerful persuasion technique you know just to say well seeing it driving it say yeah. how great is that still fairly quick you know yeah. it drives the same you can't hear me come in oh that's brilliant um it I haven't got to get up early on a cold morning and go to a petrol station. I can just plug it in. All, all the all of the benefits are there. But the one I always struggle with is someone saying, "Well, am I going to afford an electric car? You know, I'm, I'm you know I'm on eighteen grand a year, and you know I've had this car for twelve years. And I think that 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 the great thing for me now, because EVs have been around for a bit, even though the range of choice isn't necessarily there, mm. 
um, there will be more coming to market now. And I think that, that, from, that for me is where the solution is. The solution isn't getting people that can afford easily an electric car to get an electric car. The solution for me is going to be when you get the majority of people that possibly think they are priced out of it to think, actually, hang on a minute, I can get a used diesel car or I can get a used EV. There's separate challenges around whether they've got a driveway and yeah. we still, still obviously need those incentives if they have got an access to get a, a charge point to, to keep that high because I think that will be a barrier. But if we can start to get more and more used EVs on the market and out to people as a solution, yeah. then I, I think I think the problem will get cracked fairly quickly because once someone experiences it, no one has been in my EV. I mean, I've got a, I've got an e-golf, you know, it's not like a top, top, top of the range EV, but I absolutely love it. Mm. You know, I love it. And what I love is I, I, feel, I feel like I'm obviously being my green credentials are good, you know, because as I as I drive into Birmingham to the office and it's, it was so weird, actually, it was only the second day I think I had it. I noticed the sign saying clean air zone 2021 <laughs> summer. And I was like, whoa, I'll be able to come in. <laughs> All you lot won't. And then yeah. I thought, well, hang on, how fair is that? These people, it's not their fault. They can't afford to get an EV. And it's when I really started thinking about the, 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 the kind of the, the, the barriers to entry for people. But. Yeah, I, I, I feel great about it green-wise. Um, it drives amazingly. It's the functionality is brilliant. I mean, I, I just, I, you know, I can set my heating to get in the morning. You know, it's funny. I have to get out of the house and I have to park my EV in front of our diesel car, the family main family car, mm. because I have to turn that on and then any, anybody could just jump in and drive away because I, I can't lock the doors. How weird is that? To defrost the windows. Well, my EV just stays in the front. You know, the windows are defrosted so the experience has just been brilliant and I, I and i just love it and even just charging it plug it in when i get back it's ready the next day it's been fantastic i want more people to experience that so whatever we can do to to remove some of those barriers for me it's just fantastic yeah yeah agreed agreed it is because it's that that it's it's new technology and it's really important whatever any new technology is that as many people as possible can be allowed to benefit from it rather than it being siloed for an exclusive few who, who can afford it and that's yeah. the challenge that's the challenge for you know for, for government for infrastructure for for companies like us um and it made me think it's not something we we currently do but it's something we've always talked about is how what would be really cool is if people could share a subscription um so sort of an integration with uh like a, a car sharing company where you could um basically pay off some of your monthly subscription by allowing other people, maybe your neighbor, um, to use your car for the days uh, you're not using it. Because the other part of this sort of this mobility revolution um, is the, the like the way the cars are used. Is it sensible to have a car sat on your driveway 90% of the time? Um, sensible? Is it green? No, it's not really. If you if you can have that asset in constant service, um, and that's something that will, will will evolve even more as stuff like autonomous vehicles. Um, come online but if if for now like for the people who who do need their private car most of the time they do need to have it um accessible to them most of the time but if they know that three days a month when they work from home for instance they could uh, share it with someone else and make money off, off off their subscription then you know they're reducing their cost of owning their car they're stopping someone else from having to get their own car and allowing someone else to have cheaper access to it and increasing the utilization of of that asset that's somewhere that i'm sure someone will get to and and hopefully will be part of that conversation um but it's you know that is another sort of system solution that we can offer to the the, the customer that you describe to help yeah. them access access electric cars 
Yeah, I think also, I think vehicle to grid is going to, the, the unleashing that is going to be amazing, isn't it? Because as you say, I think it's like something like 96% of cars uh, are, are sat on driveways, parking spots, wherever car parks at any one time. If we're going to unleash the power within that, then obviously that helps helps it out massively. I do, I do sometimes wonder how a situation where you're not planning on using your car for three days, you work from home Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you think, all oh, right, you know, I don't need a car, so I can... But I do think sometimes if something happens on a Tuesday afternoon and you <laughs> you need a car, then so that, that I think that'll be a challenge to get around. But I think certainly it'll, it'll work for some people. Um, yeah, I, look, I, I think the whole thing for me is, is it, it, you mentioned all about the complexity and 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 people getting their head around the technology. I always, I always look at that as as being if you got a new phone, you, you're forced to learn about that new phone. You're forced yeah. to learn how do I access you know the internet and text messaging whatever. And I think it's the same with electric cars. Isn't it? It's, it's you know the whole experience of charging and and all that. People just need to learn about it. So, I really I'm really interested to see how that education piece permeates through. Now, you know, I think that certainly I'm not sure it's happening. You might tell me it is if you know, but I think certainly kids doing A levels, you know, 16 year old plus should be probably if they're in education still should be taught about this. You know, there's always the argument, isn't it? You get like generally generally old fogies like myself talking about why do we not teach home economics? You know, uh, well, you know, cooking and 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 money and life, you know, life skills as uh, to kids. Now, why do they need algebra? Why don't they teach them how to do it, do a do a casserole? But I think this whole experience of you know, if you're going to be drivers in the next few years, this is how it works. Yeah, well, I, well, I, well, I wonder if it should be included as part of the, the the driving test curriculum for provisional drivers. I mean, I don't remember when I did my test if if you know, knowing how to fill up the car was part of it. I don't think it was, but maybe um, charging could be. Could be in court, or so, some part of the curriculum could focus on electric cars because at least you're 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 giving them the, the, the framework and the, and the toolkit to to approach an electric car if, if they have the opportunity yeah yeah i think that, that's a really really good point i mean that if we can get that into the into the curriculum of both you know school system but also the driving test so that'd be great um what what's your views on people that um you know if, if they're thinking of getting evs but they haven't got opportunity to have a, have a charge point they haven't got a driveway obviously you know how do you how do you try and convince people like that to to take an ev yeah so one of the first things we we did before we released our our platform earlier in the year with with electric cars um is that we we built this suitability tool which is it's still on our website before it was the whole website and it's basically a, an interactive quiz that you go through and you you, you click and it and it gives you a uh, a really detailed summary of which electric cars would fit onto your lifestyle based on your driving habits. And I guess that's the that's the first part of making people feel comfortable um, and then getting them into the car for a month is as we described yeah. before. Um, but the way that that tool works is that the, the results you're given, if you don't have off-street parking, it sort of, it gives you a warning. It says, you know, this isn't gonna be as simple for you as, as it would be if, if you did. Um, and then what we do is we have a conversation with people and we, we tell them about stuff like ZapMap. And it's often like off-street parking, um, if you live in the countryside or you know, outside of, of, of big metropolises, you, you, you tend to have uh, off-street parking. Um, and it's you know, people who live in, in sort of dense city areas that don't, but it's often in those dense city areas where there is a much higher incidence of charge points. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's funny how often people I didn't know they were there when like a few years ago, I didn't know, even though they were, there have been uh, a, a significant increase in the number of them in the last couple of years. But once you start looking out for them, you realize how, you know, how often, how often you can see them. And then yeah. when you go on ZapMap and you put your postcode in and 
all these like different colored pins pop up on the map and suddenly you realize that actually yeah you know, it's not it depends which uh echo chamber you're in on, on your facebook account um I, I suppose but if you're in the one where it says you know there's no charging infrastructure in the uk you you, you can't charge like to dispel that you only have to go on zap map and, yeah and, and see the number I, and then there is then the education piece around that of like teaching them how to go and use those charge points and, and that is a tricky one and you know because you can tell someone so much but ultimately it comes down to them going and, and doing it for the first time and like uh, at least at elmo we don't have the number of staff to 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 do that our, our, our delivery drivers will, will will do a demo when they when they deliver the car but we you know unfortunately we can't be there other than on on whatsapp or our helpline when someone comes to to do that charging on their own for the first time what do you say to people that are thinking of trying it um have got a driveway do you, do you advise maybe get a charge point or i mean it's a shame you can't rent rent a charge point isn't it but obviously it's not as easy as that but yes yeah because yeah, you have to to claim the grant on the charge point you have to prove ownership for at least six months yeah um so w- what we have been doing is that the people who want to to try it for a month a lot of people come in and actually say look i i know i'm going to use this car for six months so i will um do the the, the six month rental on the charge point and include it in the subscription but for people who are unsure, we say, look, you can probably get by with the the three pin at home. Um, just plug it into your your domestic one of your domestic sockets um, overnight, and that will give you a decent boost of charge. And then you can find some public charging during the day if if you need to or, or at work. Uh, see how that goes after a month. If you like the car and you think you're going to keep it, you know, then then we can we can yeah. restart the conversation about about the charge point. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's, it just depends on the the. the the way the customer is feeling about it. Some people are like, I'm I'm very much just trying this. Some people are like, wow, you know, your prices are really good. I, I want to switch to electric car because I want to be green. I want clean air. I want the technology, whatever the reasons are. So, you know, I'm going straight in for six months and install a charge yeah. point, please. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, one, one of the other things I love about it so much as well is my kids absolutely love it. Like, you know, they're like in the morning, can we go in the electric car? And some days if I'm taking it to, to Birmingham, which is a longer journey, you know, so therefore I'll do it. But they, they're like, they're so excited by it. You know, they like, they can't hear the engine. They're just like amazed by this, you know, I have to, I have to, I have, to have a fake engine noise. People know I'm coming. Like it's just, yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's such fun. I'm, so the first time that I drove one to visit my parents and they, they live in the countryside and, and they have dogs and the dogs, they're not fierce dogs, but they, they like to make a noise when, when someone arrives and they, they didn't hear the, the car coming. I bet the dogs were like, how did he do that? Yeah, they, were inc- they were incredibly startled. He must have walked here, yeah. I, I, one of my favourite tricks is I did this with my, my other house folks, actually. I was chatting to them on the driveway. They didn't know the engine was running. So I, I made sure they weren't holding on to the car. They were just sort of stood next to the car. And then I just drove off and they were like, what? How did you do that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> didn't even know the engine was on, did you? So, yeah, it's great. Um, let's kind of do looking at, looking at obviously our next, next 12 theme just briefly. We haven't talked about the next 12 weeks. How are you... How are you looking for the next 12 weeks? So, you know, the next next three months, what kind of uh, what kind of plans have you got with Alma? What kind of things are you looking at? Yeah, it's, it's an exciting and, and quite quite critical moment because we've got to the point. So we basically did our soft launch in, in February this year, which was interesting timing because of what we all know happened happen next. But we, we got that that fleet of vehicles out in, in that month, um, which is great. And then we, we then did a full launch last month with, with a lot more cars. Um, and they've, you know, they've, they've flown off, flown off the shelves, so to speak. Um, and we have more coming on, coming online now. Um, and so we're running a, a Christmas promo 
um, which will probably extend into the new year as well. Um, I think Boxing Day is meant to be a, a great day for car sales, which which surprised me when I when I first learned it. Um, and and what that is doing is like really um, shoring up our, our traction. You know, we've got the technology, we've got the technique, we've got the team. Um, you know, and now we've got we've we've proven that the sales that we were always talking to talking about to investors, and so that's going to lead into our our next funding round, um, which is when which is sort of it's a funding round of, of two parts. It's it's the, the equity side to to build out the technology further to scale up the team and the, the marketing and the operations uh, and then but that's balanced by the, the vehicle financing and there are a number of models that uh, of, of how we do that um but it's 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 a big part and sort of one balances the other is a sort of is a chicken and egg so we sort of have to do it at, at the same time and uh, so that's going to be a really crucial part of, of early next year um because it's going to allow us to scale up and and now that the systems are, are all proven, everything's working. It really is a case of just scaling up as, as quickly as we possibly can um, from a business perspective to take advantage of, of the opportunity, the, the market timing, which, which seems to be very, very good, but also just so that we can actually help as many people as possible you know, to reduce their emissions, to get into the, the, the and benefit from the, the new technology. So it's, it's, it's an exciting um, and a pretty, pretty critical moment in the, in the business life cycle. Right. Uh, how, do you, how do you see the next 12 months and beyond looking for you? So should, should what I just described go to plan, then we would hope to have 12 months and beyond you know, several thousand vehicles on our fleet uh, at, with customers. And that's working towards, we've sort, of, we've sort of said that by 2024, we would have helped 30,000 people switch to an electric car. Uh, and that would, you know, that would make us one of the, the biggest EV fleets. I think there are bigger fleets for leasing companies. Um, but in terms of pure EV, we, that would be one of the, the, the largest EV fleets. Um, I mean, it certainly would be if it was right now, but at that time we expect it to be one of the largest. And, and really what we're doing is we're then trying to become the newer and better alternative way to leasing, um, fitting into that consumer trend um, that, you, that you alluded to um, with the sort of more flexible subscribe to access type of ownership rather than buy or buy to own yeah um, or lease for an extended period uh, so yeah so that's that's the plan and do you think the um you obviously we talked a bit about the, the intersection of um mobility and energy with it with evs um and obviously you've got a partnership with an energy business um do you think that seems to be quite a a pull for people in terms of being able to get access to good energy deals and i mean i personally actually i'm a with my EV, I can get 103 miles, three miles a month from my supplier. So that's that's actually a real. I didn't even know, by the way, the charge that I had was actually already accessible with my energy supplier. So that was a real bonus. And yeah, yeah. it's it's um, there are a lot of energy. I mean, the way um, energy companies are looking at it is that you know they they all they trade energy and they, they they try and make a margin on it, but really they're all competing for customers. And since the arrival of uh, comparison sites. People now switch the whole time, which means that it's very, very hard for the energy companies to make money. Um, and so they have to raise money to, to grow and to become the biggest, um, but they're by dropping their prices on, the, on those sites. So really the goal for them to become sustainable, successful businesses is to, to build out the sort of an ecosystem, a, a suite of, of ancillary services that, that, that tie into that, that, that central energy hub. And that is like solar panels, smart charging and, and electric cars is is obviously a big part of that because you get an electric car it will, it will double your your electricity usage um so as a way of um 
retaining customers, attracting new customers and extracting more value from, from those customers, being able to have some form of control um, or incentive around the electric car as part of your energy hub um, is really important. And, th and that was one of the things that, that So Energy were, why they were so, <clears throat> excuse me, so eager to, to, to form a partnership with us because, because of the way that we allowed people to get into a car, electric car, so easily. And um, so, yeah, we, we, we're now looking, we're getting to the point where they're going to start promoting, as well as the energy package, which is in our subscription, they're going to start promoting our service directly into their customers as a as an add-on service for their, for their energy. Um, and that is potentially a, a really exciting route to market for us. Yeah, that, that's a, that's really great. Um, the one question I wanted to ask you, um, just as we sort of come to, come to an end, is... Um, if I'm if I'm someone there sat there now thinking right okay you know what I might I might try this this armor out how quickly from you know this point now to getting into a car how long would it take what's the what's the what's the lead time so you, you it's a fully digital uh, booking process you go and you upload your driving license and you you book in the next uh, probably take you five five minutes um, yep. if you have your driving license to hand um, the system would make you book seven days ahead. Um, but we can normally get to get the car to you within four days. It just depends if there's a there's a weekend. Right. Um, so four working days. Yeah, four work four working days. Wow. Okay. And um, and that that obviously that's why we have stock, and because of the demand, we're like stock is diminishing quickly, and it's a great position for us to be in a, as a business. But it also means at a certain point, um, you know, depending on how quickly we can close conversations for 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 more vehicle financing. You know, there may be a point when we're out of stock, which means that um, there will be a lead time. Um, yeah. But we, we then allow customers to, to register interest and join a waiting list. Wow. Okay. And is there anything you do differently now with, uh, with the journey so far with Almo? If you, if you knew what you knew now back when you started, anything you do differently? So I think we made, we made loads of uh, decisions that, 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 that made the, the pathway convoluted. Uh, and it meant that maybe it took us longer to get to where we were trying to go to but i always think it's just dangerous to to look back in retrospect and try and map the the, the like the ideal pathway the, the the quickest the quickest pathway to the to the end point um because what you have to remember is it's so important that you go through those learning step every challenge you face and every mistake you you make like you learn and that feeds into um the next step in the pathway and so it may look convoluted in retrospect and 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 an unideal but actually you had to go through that to learn so i try i try not to um if there'd been some catastrophic errors uh, that had put us on a trajectory that wasn't um tending towards um a, a good outcome then i then i would say differently um, yeah but the sort of the mistakes that we did make just just led to to learning which has helped us grow as as entrepreneurs and, and as a company and as a team i was on a great uh, webinar the other day with um with Damien Hughes, who I don't know if you know Damien Hughes, um, just the High Performance Podcast with uh, with Jake Humphrey. It's if you have not looked into it, it's a brilliant podcast series, and it's had the likes of uh, Ant Middleton, um, Matthew McConaughey, loads of sports stars, yeah. Kelly Hut, Kelly Holmes, Rhea Ferdinand, Frank Lampard, loads of people, and uh, he was talking about uh, sort of team behaviours and uh, values and things. And there was one great quote he mentioned in there, which I thought was brilliant, which was I think it's by someone called Rosemary Cantor, I think her name is. Mm. Um, uh, so Rosabeth Cantor and. Uh, the quote was, in the middle, 
everything looks like a failure. And it, I just, I thought it's so true, isn't it? Because whenever you start doing anything, like, you know, before you actually cracked it, it looks probably like it's it's just, you know, you've messed it all up. But all of those experiences that you're going through are part of that journey to to the other side. Yeah. And, so, you, yeah. Have, and you have to embrace it. Like, because it wouldn't, the story will never end until, you know, the company disappears, whether it gets bought up or, or it fails. Um, or, or or Luke and I, or, or just me, or whoever it is, just exits it entirely until you actually close off that chapter. Then you you, you know you can't you can't say whether it's success or failure. Yeah, yeah. Um, any any final thoughts or points you wanted to make at all? I mean, if if you're interested in an electric car and you've been hesitating, come and speak to us. You know, we, we've got a. You can email us on hello elmodrive.com or, or, or just call us on 020-348-4500. And, you know, our team would love to have a chat and you know, hopefully convince you that trying an electric car on a subscription is a, is a great way to take that, to, to dip your toe and, and hopefully then something more long lasting as well. So recently Boris did his, his uh, 10 point plan for us to reach net zero by 2030. Uh, there's a lot of talk around this. There's so many different aspects to it and things we, you know, some things seem really far away. Some things seem achievable. What's your thoughts on, on how achievable that is? Well, we don't really have a choice. We've, we've just got to do it. Someone showed me a, a graph yesterday of how by, in order to, to hit the 1.5 degree warming target, which in my opinion is, is, is still too much. Like the, the drop in our emissions has to go down to something like 1990 levels and given the acceleration of the last 20 years, it's, it's got a long way to go. And like, if, 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 if you don't care that much, like what about your children and, the, and their children? And so there's, there's no choice. We just have, we just have to do it. And we start, we have to start doing it now. Yeah. Well, look, I think driving an EV is certainly one way of, of, of helping out, isn't it? So yeah. Ollie, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, anyone who wants to learn more about it, as you said, there's, there's plenty of ways to get in touch with you, uh, connect with you online as well. So, yeah, thanks so much. It's been, a, been great to chat to you. Yeah, an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much. No worries. If you enjoyed this or any of our other conversations, we'd love to get your feedback. Our Twitter handle is at the Startup Mike, M-I-C, or get us an email, Ollie or Ed, at startupmicrodose.com. If you're feeling particularly generous of spirit, a review on iTunes would go a long way to ensuring that we can continue to bring you these conversations. Finally, this recording could not have happened without the support of Founders Factory backed Entail. Their podcasting software and studio in the Daily Mail building, London, are as ever the unassuming stars of our show. Check out entail.co. And thank you for listening. Goodbye.